Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 14. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll get into this. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that our salvation is a gift and that we can't earn it. Lord, we don't work for our salvation. Our salvation is by grace through faith. But then we also know, Lord, that a part of this grace message is that we've been empowered to live out from the salvation that you've given us. Lord, we're not earning our salvation, but there are rewards for walking in, the, uh, in maturity and fullness of what you've planted within us. And so, Lord, we thank you that you're helping us understand both sides so that we don't walk in condemnation. We understand that the blood of Jesus gives us a clear conscience before you. Um, we understand that by faith we can please you, but that, that faith and walking out the works, Lord, it doesn't determine whether we're going to heaven or not because we've received Jesus and that's our, our salvation. That's our ticket into heaven. So we thank you for the free gift of salvation of eternity. And we thank you for the impartation of salvation where we can walk out your truth as disciples here in this earth. And Lord, we'll, we'll function in both the eternal truth and the temporal truths that we walk in. And we give you the glory. Holy Spirit, teach us. Renew our minds. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is in operation. We've prayed for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so when we get knowledge, knowledge is a wonderful thing if you especially from the scriptures, as long as you allow the Holy Spirit to help you through it all. Um, Because the more, you know, it's interesting, there's a word that Paul used repeatedly concerning the dispensation that we're in, and he called it the mystery. And sometimes when we think of mystery, we think of, I think we think naturally of things that we shouldn't uh, when it concerns the gospel. What he's saying was, is that there's, so if you take that word and take it back to like the parables that the Lord talked about when he was on the earth, that there is a pearl of great price, there's a treasure hidden, and you sell everything you have to get that treasure. So when you think or read mystery, think in terms of God hid it for me, not from me. Does that make sense? But I will say this. Um... Paul did not, and the, the writers in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, he did not leave the impression that it, there wouldn't be work and discipline involved in understanding. There is. Um, anything worthwhile, treasure-wise, takes effort. Um, it takes work. And the, the, the gospel is the same way. So we live in this tension of works and no works. It's not going to go away. What sometimes people do, and it's happened in the grace message, message currently that's been taken too far. Like there's a, there's a very popular grace preacher, and I'm not going to name his name. You'll, you'll probably figure it out. But he believes that James shouldn't even be in the Bible and that 1 John was not even written to Christians, which is nonsense. It's total nonsense. It, what, what has happened is... One side, because I kind of went into the history of this and was able to sit down and talk to a teacher from, or not sit down, but take some time in a meeting a few years ago 
to talk to one of my teachers from Rama who had spent four hours with this particular preacher, explaining to them why what they were preaching on this subject. Now that this person has a lot of other good subjects. You understand you got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. You, you all have to do that with me too. Okay? Because there's no perfect preacher. But there are some things that you get into and you realize, wait a minute. They're taking this the wrong way. And it doesn't mean I have to hate my brother in Christ. It just means I can't follow here. You know, like Paul said, I fo- follow me as I follow Christ. Okay? So... In this particular subject, he tried to explain it to him, and it didn't go well, you know. How many know that uh, that it doesn't matter how big the preacher gets, there's still people that God uses in the body to go to them and correct them, okay? And it's happening whether you know it or not. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you this. This will be fun for you. Brother Hagin's in heaven, so uh, he, he went and moved on. How many remember when the prosperity message was first hot and heavy and really getting strong with Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Savelle, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo, all those guys, okay? Brother Hagin had them all in and corrected them on their doctrine. He had them all in to, because see, Brother Hagin, uh, he helped these guys for years. I mean, the, they got a hold of the word of faith through Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin. And no matter what you think of these men that, when, that are in heaven now, realize God used them all over the planet, And so God called them, anointed them, and no person, including ourselves, is perfect in what we express. And so we have to keep this in line to where when we assess something that's coming out and we look at it and bring balance to ourselves, we don't get embittered against the person or anybody, for that matter, about something where they maybe got off, okay? So he had a meeting, Brother Hagin did with all those guys, and said, you're preaching this wrong. You've gone too far in some areas. He said, you're not preaching anything I haven't heard before. Now, Brother Hagin was very this way. He would tell us, he said, every so many years, the new Jewish diet is going to come out. And if you as a Christian don't eat the Jewish diet, that's why you have sickness in your body. He said, it's nonsense. Don't follow it. And he would do this through the years. He would talk about these things in class with us. Anyway, so he had a meeting with all of them, and some of them liked it and some of them didn't. You know, but what do you do? I mean, he was 80-some years old. He was the lead uh, among the group as far as being seasoned and the elder. And so I know uh, from report of those that were were very close to that situation, stated that uh, Kenneth Copeland got up and said, I, I love this man. I've honored him for years, and I'm going to back off. And he did. I don't know if you'll, but you'll see a section of time. And so, where that took place, um, and I know for a fact, because Brother Hagen, or Brother Copeland has said it himself, every night before him and his wife go to bed, they turn on a Brother Hagen t- a CD, and they listen to it as they're headed to bed. So, they're not embittered against each other. So, you, there's, this is why the, the, um, the love message and the walking and spiritual maturity message is so ingrained in the epistles. Because whether we want to admit it or not, there are things we just don't know. And I wish I knew them all. <laughs> and it, it, the funny thing is, is that there's such a hunger in me to know. You know, how, how many of you have experienced that? And it's like, Lord, why is this here? And he's, this is an eternal thing. 
I'm going back to the one who made me. Of course I want to know. But I'm not a fatalist on the backside of it either because you can turn into a fatalist quick. Well, I guess we just can't know, so what's the point? That's not okay either. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and faith is one of those things that it, is, it demands tension. It demands it. You say, what do you mean by that? Because if we're walking by faith and not by sight, and we're to draw from the promises of God until we see them, there's always going to be that tension, that pull. You know what I mean? That tight rope, it's, it is that way. How many know that if you're a tightrope walker, you want the rope tight? You don't want it loose. You know, if you look out there and the rope's kind of, you know, doing this in the wind, I don't care how many balance beam, you know, uh, poles you have. It doesn't matter. You're going down. So you want that tension. And, and the part of me and the part of you that doesn't is your flesh. Because your flesh is whining. And so is mine. We're just not supposed to give it voice. You say, how do you know that? Because Paul talks about that this nature and the earth and your flesh groans. Which is why when you stand up, you go, Ugh. <laughs> especially the older you get. It's groaning. Your flesh is going, Ugh. why? It does, it's hungering for a new nature. Okay, so that's why it groans. That's why you get that, you know, well, I wish I, you know, I need a new body. Yeah, you do. And that's actually faith. Because you're expecting it from the Lord, right? Okay, so sometimes, you know, the further you go, and it's exactly what Brother Hagin would say to us all the time. He was right. The more you learn, the less you see you knew. And what is, so what is God looking for? Perfect action or whole hearts? Whole hearts. Yeah. So as long as you're, even in your mistake, when you make a mistake, if your heart is whole toward the Lord, he'll cleanse you of carnal sins where you yield to the flesh and you shouldn't have. I know uh, sitting in uh, different meetings and things uh, through the years with Brother Hagin, whether it was winter Bible or camp meeting or whatever, there were times he'd get to praying on the stage and he'd get into prophecy and he'd, excuse me, just get lost in it. And then all of a sudden he'd go into, and you can find these things on, online, but he'd go into uh, repenting over things that he had done wrong. I heard him do it more than once. And he'd be there praying and he'd say, oh yeah, yeah, I see that, I missed that. And he said, well, I don't know why. I guess I yielded to my flesh. And he's having a conversation with the Lord. He's not even talking to the crowd, you know. I have not seen this. We need this back. I mean, we need it. Because I don't know how you pray, but my prayer is a conversation. It's not just, our Father, our heaven, how would be that? I mean, the kingdom of God, okay, Lord, I'm done. Ah, and I'm off on my own. There's a conversation happening between me and him. And... Uh, and scriptures are coming. You know, you have that relationship. But I'd, I'd listen to it. And here he is, repenting over yielding to the flesh. And the Lord's, of course, forgiven him. Now, And he'd say, out of his own mouth, yeah, I won't do that again. You know, <laughs> help me, help me, don't do that again, Lord, you know. And he's having a conversation with God about this. And, um, and so I, I don't know what it was all about because he never went into great detail. But how many know it's good not to just go into detail about your problems? All right. So. <laughs>
So anyway, but um, so we live in this tension. It's not going to go away. Your flesh is, now you can become so strong spiritually that, uh, that you dominate your flesh better than you ever have. And really the potential is to dominate it as Jesus did. You really have the strength within you actually to be a martyr and, and become obedient unto death if, if you grow to that place or if the Lord calls that to you, has that call on your life. Um, I actually think at that, well, I'm not going to share what I think on that because I don't know for sure. But anyway, my point in that is this, is that... Um, I have a desire in my flesh, and so do you, that's opposite of Holy Spirit. And any given day, I can wake up and yield to that and really cause a mess in my life. And in the church, same thing. Um, you know, as parents, the, really the one thing we're doing is teaching our kids not to yield to the flesh uh, more than anything. And disciplining them the direction of the Spirit of God. And it's important that they understand that you're not do. it's not a law in the sense of, you know, they're not trying to earn their salvation. It's just you, you're helping them realize that if they follow the flesh, it'll kill them. I had a friend of mine who was raised in a, I don't know how Christian of a home, but definitely a religious home. And he, he was, this was in high school, and he was younger than me. And his parents gave him everything, would not discipline that kid, would not. And he became an alcoholic, and he was dead in his 20s because he was drunk. He had, been, he had several DUIs, and he became a, a tremendous, uh, uh, um, tremendous, like not in the good sense, but a uh, liar. I mean, just, I mean, we watched him deteriorate, and people tried to help him, people tried to you know, you need to get sober, you need to quit, but he just completely went a direction that he shouldn't have, and then he got pulled over while he was riding his uh, motorcycle, and it was one of the, not like a Harley type, but uh, what are the other ones? Like a ninja, uh, what do you call them? Yeah, yeah, the, the fast ones that you shouldn't go too fast on, but anyway, he got pulled over by the police, and then he tried to run, and they chased him, and he killed himself on the bike. He crashed it because he was drunk and he knew he was going to get in trouble again. But prison would have been mercy compared to that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> in that sense. So what happened? His flesh, because we know a deed of the flesh is drunkenness, his desires in his flesh, he allowed those to control him rather than the Spirit of God. Well, the same is true with complaining. Now, I'm thankful I'm not dealing with alcoholism today. And addictions like that, because I'm not. I don't, I mean, I'm not struggling. I don't have secret bottles in my house, okay? I don't. It's not a deal for me. I don't even want anything to do with it. Same with uh, the other stuff that I used to do. It's not, I'm not living, I don't have anything to hide. You know what I mean? Because I figured out a while ago, you can't hide from God. I may be able to hide from you. I don't know, you're not going to snow God. He's not... He, he sees right into the motivation of who I am. He sees to my heart. So I'm not, I don't live, it's easier just to be open with him than be in, afraid of him in a negative sense. 
And so that's why we come boldly to the throne of grace when we make mistakes, because you don't want to hide. Hiding will make it worse. I'll just put it to you like this. If you see something severe and you run away from it, but it's a part of your world, it will get worse if you just let it grow. You have to go at that thing and attack it uh, with the help of the Lord and the grace of God. So complaining is no different. So when Paul says in Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and disputing, we can do it. Now here's the thing. Your flesh will tell you, no, you can't. In fact, the nature of my flesh is that it will produce feelings of complaining and disputing. And if I don't have my mind renewed and I'm not fellowshipping with the Lord like I should that day and functioning in that grace within me, then I can actually think I'm something that I'm not. My flesh and the enemy can actually develop an identity in me that is opposite of what God said about me. And it can actually get to the point where, and I've felt this, I'm sure you all have too, where you read about a promise of God that he says I am, and it actually feels like a lie, according to my flesh. This is why we walk by faith, right? You know, and this, hap- this can happen in every area. Like, you can feel sick, but the scripture says you're healed. And people feel like, there are Christians that feel like they're lying if they say they're healed because they don't feel it. But this is the tension we live in, and it will not go away until Jesus returns, Okay? So we need to know the difference and function in this. So you actually can feel completely like complaining and disputing and purposely not act that way and be more spiritual than you actually think you are. So uh, Keith Moore used to say this, um, or still does, in his teaching, he said that I heard him say this, and I thought it was so good. He said, you're actually walking in love when you feel like it the strongest when you feel like it the least. So you purposely, even though you're, even though uh, um, you know your kids did something or your boss or whatever did something that caused your flesh nature to go on high alert, you know, um, you know the red lights are going off, ham, 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 you know, want, 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 prison break, you know, the flesh is lit up. And you're irritated, you can purposely put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. You can actually be kind to somebody when you feel like punching them in the nose. And that is actually walking in spiritual strength. Because you're at that point you're in faith, because you're not in feeling. Because if you're in feeling, they'd have a bloody nose. Right, You're in faith, and you're actually putting your flesh under. Even though it doesn't feel like you're pleasing God, God's in heaven going smiling. And you, your flesh is this way. This is why it says in Romans 6 that you're not, to yield, you're not to yield your members to unrighteousness, but to actually make your body a, a slave to righteousness. Now, this type of teaching is not what a lot of Word of Faith Pentecostals want to hear. Not a lot of what Charismatics want to hear. They want to hear about prophesying and all of these things. But I'll just say this, and this is something the Lord keeps bringing me back to. 
There'll be no sustained move of God without character. It will not happen. And you say, how do you know that? I've watched it happen in a, in a more of a micro situation, a smaller situation. If there isn't unity of love, and I'm not talking about agreement. I'm talking about submission and unity of love. Not agreement. You know, people think, well, I can't go to that church. I don't agree with everything. You're not going to find a church where you agree with everything. Now, if it's a major doctrinal issue, that's one thing. Like if they're like, well, you know, everybody goes to heaven. All religions are right. Well, obviously, you can't agree with that if you're a true Christian, because that's not true. But if it's something small and minor, something where we don't need to get into disputing about it, it's not necessary. You know, it's like the thing with the birthday thing. I'm not going to dispute that guy about his, if he didn't want to celebrate his birthday, fine. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's your birthday. I'm going to get you a gift and celebrate you even though you don't believe in your birthday. There's no point. Just leave him alone. We both believe Jesus is the way to heaven. He's spirit-filled. I'm spirit- I mean, we agree on 99.9% of things. Why am I going to focus on 0.01? You know what I mean? I'm not going to do it. There's no point. And so that's where we, we, we need to hold the balance. Does that make sense? So don't dispute, don't complain. We talked about this. And the reason why, and he goes on to say in verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God <clears throat> without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now watch this, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So in other words, the purpose behind being this way is, is witness. It's your witness. It's your witness. Holding fast the word of life. Last week, uh, after service on Sunday, we went to uh, PETA Pit Mill. I always forget which one it is. PETA Mill. And uh, I know the owner there. I worked with him uh, uh, in Upward Basketball when I was at Freedom Church. For years, he was, he was a part of the um, program over there with his kids when they were younger. And uh, I watch. So we're sitting there eating. And there's another table next to us that's a group of people from the church sitting eating. And uh, we're just eating, having a good time. We're laughing and just joking around and goofing in the midst of all the nonsense. And I, you, you may not realize it's happening, but I watch. This is what I do. I like to sit back a little bit and then see what's happening around me. You know what I mean? And I watch the workers watching us. And they know we're Christians. And here we have joy coming out of us. In the midst of all the stupid that's going on in the world, we're laughing. You know, some people, like, unfortunately, uh, the Thunberg girl, what's her name? Thunberg, Thun, Thun, uh, Greta. Yeah, that little girl, man, I, I feel for her because she's been lied to. And now she's being used as a tool to spread global warming, the idea that the earth is going. And she literally cries, like gets super emotional. She thinks she's going to die in 20 years. And she's going she's gonna to get past that point. Here's, here's, something, here's another thought. The Lord said this. If you cause one of these little ones to sin, it'd be better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the sea. Yeah, that's a nice prophetic picture. What if that was my... You know, what if you came forward for... Who would like a prophetic word right now? <laughs> Millstone. I see a millstone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not a nice one, but here's the thing. Those people, that's what most people, or I shouldn't say, well, maybe it is most. 
I wouldn't say most, but that's where a group of people are. They have no joy. They can't even live in peace because they've been lied to. They've believed a lie and swallowed a lie so much. So we need to, what? Be witnesses because we're hope. Why are those people laughing like that? How can they have joy in the midst? How can they go? How can they increase in the midst of the pandemic? You know what I mean? How can they even have joy when their candidate, it looks like he lost? We have the answer. Uh, yesterday I was walking around Home Depot. No, no, it wasn't yesterday. Day before. I was walking around. I was buying stuff there. Uh, you, should know, you should know something about me. I don't walk around anywhere. <laughs> I do not, you know, people, what, years ago, uh, the girls... And I did it, I think, maybe two or three times until I protested enough not to be invited anymore. But the, the question was, do you want to go shopping? I thought, well, I guess. I mean, to me, shopping is you go in, you get it, you walk out. <laughs> not for them. I mean, I'm like, this is, this is a waste of time. We literally walked into that store, spent two hours, and walked out with nothing. This is ridiculous. I'm like, I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, I better move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have any problems with that, rclawbold at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even know how I got off. Anyway, so I was in Home Depot, and uh, Johnny Kanoski bought all these Jesus pins that have, they just say Jesus. So he gave me one. So I put it on my coat, and I've been walking around with it. And it's fun to watch the different reactions I get. But we're salt and light. So everywhere we go, so I'm at Home Depot, and I'm talking to one of the ladies uh, they're doing some, just buying some things for the church, and I'm standing there, and she sees my pen. I forgot I had it on. You know how you just go and you forget, but um, it start. It was like basically walking around with a backward collar on. It was everybody, everybody kind of, you know, and some people I could tell they didn't like it, and I'd been like, "What? This person must be having a bad day." Oh yeah, I got the pen on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so uh, this lady looked at me, and she goes, oh, I like your pen. I said, oh, thanks. And she said, she said, I love Jesus. I said, he's everything to me. She goes, I could use more of him. <sighs> That's like bloodhound, you know. Ah, I, I hear it. I'm going to kill a devil, <laughs> you know. And so... I, we are salt and light. We're salt and light. We're not just happy because we're medicated. <laughs> you know, we're happy because we have the joy of the Lord. Well, it doesn't feel like it. Well, you, gotta, you, you need to develop in that to where you have a knowing rather than looking for a feeling. Your feelings are going to move. They're just, it's not going to end. That's not going to change. People are like, I wish it would. Well, that's where the drug industry is capitalized in some ways. You know? 
It, it just has. I mean, that's what I used to do before I was saved. You alter your existence so you don't have to be in the existence of your reality. At least what you think it is. You know what I mean? And so we need to be aware of that because as believers, as disciples, and this, guys, this doesn't just go to unsaved. This goes to all the people you're going to interact with today that come in the doors. Because a lot of believers, they don't even, they don't even, they don't live in a place of discipleship. They're going to heaven when they die, and that's about the extent of it. Because this takes effort to live this salvation out. It's not easy. Christianity, people say Christianity is a crutch. It's not for the weak, I can tell you that. Because it's, you know, if you want to just bump along and float down the stream of life until you die, then don't get saved. Because then you automatically get life and you realize everybody's floating dead that way and you have to swim upstream. And it's more work, but we're graced to do it to the point where you get you, I, it's starting to develop in me even more now through this process and through this year. You begin to rejoice in the waiting, in the tribulation, because you have spiritual understanding of what's actually being built inside you. And you realize it's worth it. It's worth it worth it. It's worth it. It carries weight. It carries heaviness. There's something that's being strengthened in you that you know, oh, this is where Paul was talking. The, what we actually possess inside of us. Well, like, like I don't know if it's in 1 John, but, it, but he says, he talks about as he is, so also are we in this world. Wow. I mean, that's a huge statement. But you already have that nature in you. And you get the opportunity to develop it, care for the seed, cultivate the seed by faith here, which produces results. So when you, uh, when you uh, feel the temptation of the flesh, but you don't yield to it, your, your strength level, your ability to bench press in that area just went up as far as weight and resistance. Does that make sense? Okay, so you want to do it. And we'll, let's skip down to 1 Corinthians, or let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. It says this, no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you. Remember we talked about the Israelites, and I'm not going to go back to that because I'll get into teaching in it. And ugh. I wish I could explain that to, to you. Maybe some of you understand. Literally, I can read over a verse if I'm functioning within the, the gift that's in me. I can read over that verse and all of a sudden all these words. And it's almost like, Lord, which one do you want me to pick? <laughs> you know, I can stop on every, every it's, it's an interesting feeling. But anyway, okay, so no temptation, verse 13, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now, what we need to realize this verse is not saying, this verse is not saying that God is authoring evil in your life. Okay? So he's not doing that. We need to realize that because people teach that. They do. They're like, well, you know, God put this disease on me. But, but I know I can bear it because... No, no, no. That's not what this is saying. 
Because I've watched people who believe that and the disease killed them. So you're saying God killed them with cancer? God doesn't have any cancer to give. So, so you, we have to realize that we have to think about these things in a deeper sense rather than just floating along the surface and talking about be, developing sermons about new normals. I hate that statement. Depending on the context it's stated within. Well, you just have to accept this. Does the Bible say I have to accept it? Because if it doesn't, I'm going to reject it. Because I have to know what I accept or reject based on what God said about the situation, not what I feel about the situation. Okay? So we need to be, we need to be aware of that. All right. So, but what we should see here, and I, it is the, you can see this. People that go the direction that I just talked about, they're carnally minded. People that go the direction of overcoming and victory but not ignoring what's in front of them are spiritually minded. So Paul could be in prison, but he could also rejoice in the midst of it. Why? Because he knew that the gospel was being furthered. He wasn't suffering because of his own mistakes. He was suffering for the sake of the gospel, which means what? God had him in a position where he didn't just focus on the chains, he realized in the midst of where he was, he saw what God was wanting to do, which was actually infiltrate the Roman ranks. Which eventually affect the, affected the law of Rome. <clears throat> yeah. People, it eventually affected, he was affecting those soldiers. How many know... If, if, if you're a person that's truly born again, they're willing to give up everything naturally for the sake of the eternal kingdom. Now that is the most effective weaponry you will ever see. You can, a, a Roman soldier can have all the armor and training of the, of the Romans and hatred for what they're supposed to have hatred for according to the Romans. All of a sudden they get born again and they go, I love everybody. I won't use any of this for the sake of the Roman motivation, but I'll use everything that I have for the sake of the kingdom motivation. And the devil loses out because it's not about natural things anyway. It's about spiritual kingdoms. Okay? So really, if you think about it, if you want to go the route, you can go this route as well. Even though grace is what's being presented in this generation, there still is judgment. Basically, as a believer, you can look at somebody who's hard-hearted and say, look, you either submit to my king or you die. Now, people, they don't like this. But it's, I'm talking about Christians. You know, because we've been... We've been patty-caked along too long for in some areas. What did Jesus say? If you don't receive him, what do you get? Not just, not just death. He didn't just say, nobody preached on hell more than Jesus. You realize that, right? And Paul said this, knowing the terror of God, we warn men. Now, we don't, we don't want to preach on that subject, you know. But this is the way of escape. If you're, there's a way, there's always a way of escape. So what the Lord provides for us, so basically, and I saw this, I don't, it was the other day, I think I was half asleep, half awake, I don't know if it's two or three in the morning, but the Lord started saying to me, basically, if the people 
if, if there are certain people where harvests are coming closer in their lives, in other words, the end of their life is coming closer and closer and closer, if they do not yield, and I saw myself actually saying this to people like Nancy Pelosi or whoever, I saw myself saying, and I was the one on trial by them. So in other words, I was on trial for my Christianity. How many know Paul stood before certain leaders of nations and he reasoned to, with them about judgment and righteousness and, he turned, and they got so scared they cut off the meeting. Why? Because basically what Paul was saying is, look, you can kill my body, but you'll never touch me. And if you don't yield to my king, well, basically I'll put it to you like this. I would say it like this. You can either kneel to my king and have your life spared or death. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is that way. You either yield to the king of kings or you will be forced to kneel. I just choose to kneel. Now that doesn't make sense when you're on trial. Why would Paul so boldly look why would Jesus stand before Pontius Pilate and say, you have no power over me unless it was given to you? You have eternal understanding. Well, the same is true with complaining and disputing. The same is true concerning a way out, the temptation, the thing that we're facing. What do we need to understand? We have an eternal perspective. That means what? We are actually empowered over the top of the nature of our flesh. We don't have to complain about anything or dispute about anything. We don't have to yield to it at all. The Amplified says this, for no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience such as man can bear. But God is what? faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond what your your ability and strength so think in terms of Jesus Christ in you you can do all things through Christ who what strengthens you and me so you have power and ability to endure you have strength but with the temptation he will and it says in the amplified always also provide the way out. So I always have a way out. I always have a way out. The means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. So where is the way of escape? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. There is a directive to the, to the church to run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. Are we doing this? How have we adjusted our lives as disciples to obtain our prize? So in other words, am I running, am I disciplined in such a way that I'm looking, I'm realizing that the, that the temptation or the spiritual growth issue or whatever it is that's in front of me is not greater than the ability of God within me. Am I running discipline? Do I have a prize in mind? Am I adjusting my life and controlling my flesh to, with the power of God within me? Not only am I 
transforming the way I think about this temptation. So I'm not just looking at complaining and disputing and overcoming these things in my day-to-day life from the standpoint of how am I going to do this, but I've adjusted my thinking to, no, this is a temptation, this is an issue that I'm facing, that actually there is a way of escape through the empowerment of God. I have a way out. My feelings, your feelings, the nature of the flesh is not greater than the one who is in me. Yeah, but it feels that way. But you and I both know we all have done things when we didn't feel like it. And you have the ability in you to develop. If Why put the measure of the stature of Christ in front of us? Why do it? Why make that the aim? People's like, well, it's so far out there, we'll never get there. No, I don't think that's what the Lord was after. I think what he was saying is, when you set the standard that high, once you realize what's been placed within you, then the standard, come on, why set the standard that high? Because God believes in what he's done in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I need to believe in it. So the other day I was praying this, and we should pray this. Lord, I want to walk through days the way you did. That's the way we should pray. And I've been praying this and praying this. Developing. Why? Acting more, putting on him everywhere. Now, and and I, I even hesitate to use the word acting. Just putting on the Lord. I, it's, it's my nature, right? It's your nature. Verse 25. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is what? Is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable prize, but we for an imperishable crown. So temperate means to exercise self-restraint. How do you stop complaining? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and I have to control my flesh. I can choose to speak something of a blessing or thankful or bite my tongue rather than complain. I can bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise be what? (laughs) And if continual praise is there, what's not there? Right. <laughs> we do this. How many have complained to God before? And people say, well, God, he's God. He can handle it. I agree, but I don't think that means we should just do it. So we're supposed to be temperate in all things. Self-controlled. Temperate means the rigid self-control practiced by athletes with a view of gaining the prize. Specifically, we see that we can control complaining in our lives through temperance. Verse 26, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. How many seen Christians do that? I'm spiritually fighting, and they're sweating, and they're grunting, and they're spitting, and boy, they're getting a workout, but they're not punching anything but the air. How many would think it was weird if you saw a boxer show up for a fight, but there's no opponent? Yeah, you just, but see, spiritually speaking, Christians do this. 
And they're there. I mean, they are warriors for Jesus. But they haven't stopped complaining. They haven't stopped disputing. Their love walk is shallow. Then what am I doing? I'm punching air. And the devil's sitting there going, who's he swinging at? The demons are standing around going, and, and this person's flesh is totally in control of their lives. And they're saved. I'm not saying they're not saved. They're saved. They're going to heaven. That's a gift. But they're not experiencing salvation here. They're frustrated. Why? Punching air. Swinging at nothing. Swinging at shadows. Swinging at nothing. Shadow boxing. How many know when you shadow box, you get a workout? You can develop a sweat punching nothing. But spiritually speaking, it may be okay for physical exercise. But spiritually speaking, it's not good. How many know you want to hit the devil square in the nose and make him bleed? That's what you want. To, you, want to, you want to put his nose into his face. Preferably all the way in. <laughs> do you understand what I mean by that? I'm trying to paint a picture for you. You want to hit. So how do you do that? When complaining comes up, don't do it. And you'll hit him hard. He'll go, oh, we better create a different scenario here let's work a different angle but then you continually avoid the traps boom 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 you're not you're not swinging at nothing you're walking through setting off the trap with a stick you know what i mean setting it off with no i'm not falling for that devil i'm not falling for that i'm going to walk in the spirit not in the flesh i'm not going to complain i'm not going to dispute and what ends up happening and it's the prophecy that brother hagan gave um that brother hagan gave years ago right the last message he preached on before he passed away was walking in love and the longer that I'm in the Rama group, I realize why. I mean, I realize, well, I can't say that. Okay, so the, in the prophecy, he said, as you walk in love, he said, you'll find that Satan will flee away from you. He said, he'll take his hand off your body. He'll take his hand off your family. He'll take his hand off your business. He'll take his hand off of you as you walk in love. As you walk in love, yes, walking in love. Now, this seems counter to your natural mind. It does to mine. As I walk in love, I actually end up quit swinging at natural things, and I hit the enemy every single time, repeatedly, over and over. When I'm walking in patience, when I'm walking in kindness, when I'm, I'm stopping the nature of my flesh, I'm stopping complaining, I'm stopping what my flesh desires to do in the spirit, it actually releases something that is a driving away force to the enemy. And he doesn't know what to do. And he takes... His nature with him. So in other words, if the devil can camp out with you, that means he brings the whole family and they start... How many have seen those stupid commercials for like Mucinex or different pills where they have the little demon looking thing and then the pill comes and drives away the... How many have seen those? That's exactly what it is in the spirit. If you yield to the enemy, he'll move in. And you're a Christian. And you'll be in your prayer closet. Oh, no, 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 Lord, I'm going to rebuke the devil. And the, and the Lord's going, wait, 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 be quiet. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do that, the devil gets an eviction notice. Make sense? 
We're growing. It's like painful to my flesh. But remember, we're not buffeting our bodies. We're buffeting them. (laughs) Which means to punch under the eye. It actually means to give a black eye. People are like, I'd like to give so-and-so. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. It's our bodies that we're stopping. Amen? All right, bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.